You are listening to Grit and Grace, where I'm sharing my entrepreneurial journey with you and bringing stories to you of the most amazing women that are crushing it in business and in life. My name is Tomberly, and I'm a social impact entrepreneur, where I help businesses grow their community impact and their bottom line through their partnerships with nonprofit organizations. I'm also the founder of Tomberly's Tribe, a brand new group of female experts that, from all different fields, are helping women grow to their highest level of potential. Join us on this journey by downloading the Himalaya app, which is free, and follow us so we can keep you up to date on all of the new shows that are coming out. Welcome to my show. Are you struggling to keep your teams connected and support increased productivity? I've got the answer for you, and her name is Julie Holunga. Julie is an Emergenetics Master Trainer and will help walk you and your team through the assessments and how they play a role in your overall success. Go to julieholunga.com for all the details. We are back with Reverend Brianna Lynn today, and I'm really excited to have her because she is she is a transformational leader in the space of spirituality and prayer, and she's a minister and a soul mentor, and she's an instructor at the Earth Temple, and which is a center for prayer and the school for shamanic arts. And she is a return guest on this show, which isn't really doesn't really happen very often, but I love her messages so much, and I know that we have the opportunity to weave together in this conversation. So welcome, Brianna. Thank you for joining me. Mm, thank you, Taverly. It's such a joy to be here again. I love the way that our worlds continue to weave and the way that I continue to learn from you. And I think I said this before, so I'm going to say it again. I offer a deep bow to you and the work that you're willing to do. And also mm-hmm. that work isn't just, isn't, isn't just saying you're doing the work. You're actually doing the work. And one of the ways that I've been able to witness you doing that is the prayer groups that you have coming together on Sundays. I've sent mm-hmm. many people there, especially those that are really struggling to find a connection, struggling to find a way to feel grounded within their own bodies. I've sent them mm-hmm. to your prayer group. So thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. Every Sunday, the earthtemple.com slash sacred Sundays, just come on down. It's a free prayer group and we unchurch ourselves. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Because some people might be thinking, wait, prayer group, like what? I didn't sign up for that. No, no. It's not your typical prayer group. It's the unchurching yeah. prayer group. <laughs> yep. Yep. We're decolonizing our prayer circles as well. Yeah, it's nice. And there's so much that's, it feels so good in your body and to feel the energetics behind what it's like to participate in a circle. Like, I mean, this is important. Community is important right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's vital right now. I mean, it's always vital, but especially right now when when we start to feel more separation, when we start to feel more, uh, almost like people are getting in their corners of what they Mm. believe. This is the time to come together even more and, and, and show the places where we can actually emotionally and spiritually Venn diagram with each other, that we can find the places where there are more similarities, um, and, and celebrate our uniqueness, right? It's not about becoming one, one thought. It's about knowing that we're already one, but that we came to this planet for our distinctions. So celebrating those distinctions as well. So yeah, we like creating spaces like that. Yeah, that's really a great way to look at it. And and how do we do that? Like how do we get out of these polar opposite corners where people are sitting in right now and it's I I feel like it is going to make our progress moving forward to actually break down systemic oppression. Like I feel like if we mm-hmm. stay in separate corners, we are not going to have as much success at breaking down oppression. 
Mm-hmm. Well, if we look at just like structural oppression, like what what is oppression and where did it come from are, are some of my favorite things. Like, is this just a human thing that we feel like we need to dominate each other constantly in order to prove our worth? Where did this come from? Where did it come from conceptually? Where did it come from in action? And so I like studying his, her, and our story is what I call it. There's his, his story, there's her story, and then there's our story. And I specifically look at European history. Most of what we know as history is Eurocentric um, monarchical history. It's, it's focused on the monarchies. We do not talk about European indigenous no, nor European like poor people's history. And to understand European, his, her, and our story is to start to understand what is colonization and where it came from. And what we're dealing right now is a post-colonial world, which means that colonization in and of itself is no longer a monarchy going out and conquering lands and taking over people and creating indentured servitudes and enslavement. What post-colonization is, is we're dealing with a world that has been enslaved, that has been oppressed, that people have been indoctrinated, that they are the oppressors justified by God, justified by a religion. And now we're looking at a world where people are starting to wake up and understand, no, actually all human beings have equal rights. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we've created a structure, an educational, a governmental, a medical, an economic, uh, a petroleum-based structure. All of these structures are based on inherent inequality. All of our current structures, our food structure, is based on someone, specifically the physical laborers, not being properly paid. So we do not have one system on our planet right now that does not function within slavery. Not one. And say that again. We don't have a single. Not a single system right now that does not inherently rely on someone being underpaid for their work. Someone who feels obligated to show up and do work in order to receive the very basics of life. That's how we define slavery, that someone feels obligated that their life will be in harm's way if they do not show up for work. Mm. That's, that's an enslaved cycle, right? So we can go into our clothing. We can go into our food systems. We can go into our pharmaceutical systems. We can go into our governmental systems, our educational systems in the United States, in Australia, in the Western world, and anywhere in the world. Anything right now that I've experienced within these current systems are based on enslaving certain individuals and uplifting, not even uplifting, pedestaling, right? Because pedestals are dangerous. Pedestaling others and oppressing others. As soon as we have people who believe that they are inferior and others who they believe that they are superior, that's when we start to see this strata or what we call systems of oppression. And these systems of oppression identify certain individuals as those who deserve to be pedestalized and identify those who deserve to be oppressed. And that relationship between the pedestaling and the oppressed is what keeps the system going. Mm. And what we're looking at now in terms of like questioning white supremacy, right, is something that's really come forward. Questioning white supremacy is questioning the concept that somehow someone could be more deserving of something than another just based on where they're born. And I like questioning white supremacy because it also forces us to question classism. It also forces us to question sexism and ableism and sizeism and genderism. There's all sorts of strata that have been created in our society that say people who fit this box will be considered more correct or more normal. The people who fit in these boxes will be considered out of our strata or not within the conversation. So 
you know, this is a really big chunk and I'm still kind of floating in meta land with you right now, mm-hmm. but I, mm-hmm. I just wanted to kind of lay some of that out and uh, let people know that I'm a white presenting woman. I'm 34 years old. I live in Southern California. I, I study the earth way, which means my bare feet are on the earth every day. Um, and I listen to the plants and I've studied indigenous practices around the world. I claim none of those practices as my own. My practice is listening to the earth, um, quiet meditation, movement meditation. And my intention with speaking about racism and systems of oppression today is to help dismantle it within myself first, Mm -hmm. understanding that as a white presenting individual, I have been fed this strata. I have been fed the systems of oppression. So to understand the white supremacist in me, to understand the genderist in me, to understand the misogynist in me first, it has been a vital part of deconstructing systems of oppression for myself. Understanding the part of me that's the controller, the general, the way that I run myself, that is misogyny. That is patriarchy. Mm Oh, I and I wrote a post the other Ugh. right. Yeah, I wrote right. a post the other day saying, "I know I'm privileged because the biggest oppression I've ever experienced has been me to me." This is one way to identify white privilege, especially for us women. If the biggest oppressor in your life has been yourself, it doesn't mean we're not oppressed. It just means it's it's different. It's different than structural oppression, right? right? This is an internal structure that has been implanted, especially with us white European women who are indigenous ancestors, are indigenous women, were burned at the stake as witches if they didn't conform to systems of oppression. Okay, there's a reason why this is in my body. There's a reason why somewhere along the line an ancestor has signed the contract. I will intentionally suppress and silence myself to make sure that my future generations are not burned at the stake. Signed. Mm. Mary McDougal, you know, my, my yeah. great, great, great yeah. Scottish ancestor, right? Whose mother was killed as a witch. She's burned at the stake. My fourth great grandmother was burned at the stake in Scotland. So when I look at that, I, I can understand systems of oppression and why we, especially as white women, have internalized so much of that oppression of like, I have to go along with this or I am also going to be killed, mm. right? Um, it's the same thing that what happened for, for the African slaves that were brought to the Americas with Christianity, right? Christianity was used as a tool of war in order to subdue the African slaves. It's one thing if you feel like you might get whipped or killed if you run away or create a slave riot. That's number one. Number two, a risk for them was whipped or killed or their families whipped or killed if you created a slave riot or ran away. Or number three, which was the most potent, is why Christianity was sold to the African slaves, was why it was indoctrinated to them, was because your soul will be completely annihilated Mm. by hell if you run away from your slave master. That is why for Mm. 300 years, African Mm. slaves did not create a slave revolt. There was never a slave revolution in the United States, not one. And it's because of Christianity. It's because that number three point, they hijacked the beauty the poetry of Christianity, and sold it to African slaves saying that if you did not believe this strata, then not only would you suffer in this lifetime, you wouldn't be welcomed into heaven in the next lifetime. So I can only imagine these people were rounded up by a neighboring king or a neighboring village, sold to white traders, taken, if and if they survived the trip across the Atlantic, taken across the Atlantic, placed in North or South Carolina or Virginia or wherever along those, those bottom 
southern states, working the plantation with other Africans not from your tribe, hardly speaking the same language. They're given one religion to unite them. It's mm-hmm. the only thing that they have to unite them because these are not African peoples who know each other. They would mix people up from all different villages, from warring areas. So they didn't even have united. So they get finally a united peace, which is Christianity. And that's the very thing that controls them from being able to use their voice at that time. Wow. To talk about racism without talking about religion, specifically Catholicism and Christianity, we're missing a big part of the story. We're missing a huge part of the story. White supremacy and white colonization happened because the Vatican happened to win in a war around 300 AD against the Ottoman Empire. The Ottoman Empire was the Arabic Empire, was the largest empire at that time outside of the Roman Empire, and Rome was crumbling, and the Ottoman Empire and the Roman Empire were at war with each other, and Constantinople, which at the time was in charge, uh, was in, in, in care of the Ottoman Empire, was the front, right? Turkey was the front between what was the Ottoman Empire and the Roman Empire, and the Roman Empire almost lost. If the Roman Empire had lost, the Muslim culture and Islam would have taken over Europe, And that would have been the colonizing force for our planet. We could have been speaking Arabic right now. Mm. Very, very small space where the Ottoman Empire got an influenza in Constantinople. They got the flu. They got a COVID in their capital city, and they couldn't continue the war. And the Roman Empire won, and the Vatican established itself as the main church for all of Europe, Northern Africa. From that time, they created the strata that said, God comes first, then Christian king, then Christian man, Lord first, and then the serfs, and then Christian woman, then Christian child, then animals. And then with the Ottoman Empire, they said any brown king comes under the Christian animals. Brown king, then brown man, brown woman, brown child. And that was the first time that we see a race distinction in times of war that creates a human, a dehumanization of someone based on the color of their skin. 300 AD, 300 common era from the Roman Empire, from the Pope at the time. They weren't called the Pope, but what was being established as the Roman Catholic Church at the time, not called that yet, still just a Christian organization that the Roman Empire had adopted in order to fight this Ottoman war. This goes on. Their their battle goes on from about 300 to 800, right? So we got like 500 years of war. With, with, this, with this force. And during that time, you start to see the racist conversations from the Christian church to justify the killing and genocide of huge amounts of people in the Ottoman Empire. So we can kill these people, we can take them as slaves, we can rape their women, we can take their food because they're actually just below Christian animal, okay? Around 1100, 1200, 1300, what you start to see come out in addition to the rise of the witch trials, right? So this is happening simultaneously. Right Right around that time, you see the hunting of women, indigenous European women who are still using herbalism, drumming, plant medicines to treat their people. The hunt, the Christian Catholic hunt of witches start to rise around the same time that they are writing about African people, specifically black people. They use the words African and black to strata even underneath the brown people, even underneath the Ottoman Empire. There are people who are even not further away from being human. And this was signed, sealed, and delivered by the Vatican, by the Christian and Catholic Church. It was part of their religion to see themselves as light versus dark, all right? So now we get to modern day age. When we start talking light versus dark, this is Christian hypnotic languaging that has been implanted into our systems 
to stratify us spiritually and implant racism even into our spiritual conversation. There is no such thing as the darkness. It is a vast and open space. If you flew into the cosmos, you would never find a dark place. There is no such thing as darkness. All that is is sound and light. Darkness is the place of possibility of which consciousness does not exist yet. Without light, there is not dark. And without dark, there is not light. We need each other. They're an interplay in this dynamic universe, and it is vital to understand that we don't know shit, we cannot know the entire truth, we cannot know the darkness, and that's the beauty of it. As a practicing witch, our entire premise is to sacrifice everything to the unknown. You take the light of everything and you sacrifice it to the darkness. That is our daily practice. That was the daily practice of the European indigenous people, the Celts. That is the daily practice of the Hopi nation. That is the daily practice of the Shuar, the Sekopai, in in the ones that I study with from Ecuador. This is the daily practice of indigenous peoples, of understanding that we are light and dark and there is no enemy. There is nothing that is not life force. But the Christian creation of separation between light and dark, between good and evil, between God and devil— That separation is what created racism, and then that very strata was sold to the black community. And until we talk about Christianity as the basis for why racism exists on our planet, we cannot, we cannot dismantle racism. Wow. I mean, I I just feel like I don't even need to say anything. (laughs) um, Wow, that is... That is not something that people are talking about right now. So thank you for sharing that. First of all, that is deep, Mm -hmm. deep wisdom. And so my question for you is like, then what? If, if, If that's the case, if we know that we cannot talk about white supremacy without talking about Catholicism and religion... How do we do that? Because that is not what's being talked about right now. And I I mean, not talked about in mainstream media. So the majority of the people where they're getting their information, they're not talking about that. You and I, okay. Yeah. Witches, you know, healers, we're doing that work, but we're, you know, how, how do we bring that into the conversation at a much bigger level? Yeah. I think that's a great, a great question. Um, I've been telling this a lot to my Anamkara, that's a Scottish Gaelic word for like soul family, right? Like my sisters and my brothers and non-binary included. Um, For my Anamkara, what I've been saying is like, look, our black community right now has the talking stick. Give them the space. This is not the time for me as a witch to be like, and we need to talk about the Catholic church because I've been been talking about this issue since I was 15 years old. Wow. This has been like my thing. I left my church, the Christian church, because of this issue. Because I learned in history where the Christians and Catholics have been the signed, sealed, and delivered responsible ones for colonization on our planet. And until we talk about the fact that the Vatican Church to this day owns all of the gold and silver that came out of Bolivia, the third poorest country on our planet, until we talk about the fact that the Vatican still has the stolen goods in that bank, until we talk about the fact that the Dutch bank still has the stolen diamonds from the Democratic Republic of Congo, signed, sealed, and delivered by the Vatican Church, until we talk about that, we cannot talk about colonization. And right now, colonization and Black Lives Matter and racism is a social issue. But until we realize it's a political, spiritual, social, and economic issue, simultaneously, they're just going to let us run the protest. You guys just keep running the protest because we still got the diamonds, we still got the gold, and you guys can't touch that shit because it's sealed by religion. And people, I want to be super clear. I love Catholics. 
I love Christians. My family are Christians. My mother and father are Christians. I was a practicing, participating, proselytizing Christian from the age of zero to 15. And I love people dearly who subscribe to the everlasting love of what is called Yeshua ben Joseph, Mm -hmm. right? Joshua of the Christ, Mm -hmm. the teacher who is known as Joshua. Jesus is a made-up name that was a made-up word by Constantine III. There was no Jesus. Yeshua was his name in Aramaic, which translates directly to Joshua. His name was Josh, P.S. So if we're going to talk about Josh and the everlasting love that just a normal guy named Josh who just happened to be crucified, which over, it depends on who you're talking to, between a million and a million and a half people through the Roman Empire were crucified at the very least. So being crucified was no big deal. But someone took his story and hijacked it in order to create a military industrial complex. That's really what this is about. It's about money. It's about the military. And it's about a few kings ruling the entire world and using racism as a way to make sure that the serfs, to make sure that the working people do not unite and overthrow those who are the ones who are playing the puppeteers behind stage. They don't care what religion it is. They don't care if it's Islam. They don't care if it's Buddhism. They don't care if you call it boobity-boo. As long as we are distracted from the very fact that we're still being controlled. That's what this has all been about. Christianity in its inception was about controlling the masses. In and of itself, as a doctrine, it's a beautiful poetry. I know many people who find ecstatic bliss through the Christian text. I honor that. Mm -hmm. I honor that dearly. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is the world organization, specifically the Vatican, as the pulse and heartbeat behind justifying racism and genocide since 300 AD, since 300 common era, the Vatican church has been the pulse behind almost every single genocide on this planet. Almost, not all of them, almost every single genocide on this planet. So... That is where we get to dive because once people are spiritually justified in being righteous, there's nothing that gets them off that train. Nothing, nothing, not money, not sex, not power. The only thing stronger than money, sex, and power, which are kind of the the, the shadow ways that people can get hooked into doing something that's not in full integrity. Right. The only thing that's stronger than money, sex, and power is love or the righteousness of believing that what you're doing is for God. Because once someone believes that the righteousness of what they're doing is for God, they will slash babies. Yeah, right. Which still happens today all over the place. Happens today all over the place. Yeah. I have a dear friend who's connected to one of our medicine brothers in Mexico, and a medicine man was just burned at the stake for being a witch in a Catholic village. This is still happening to this day. In southern India, if you're considered a witch, you can be hung, tried and hung. To this day, if you're practicing certain medicine practices around this world, in the United States, if you're practicing certain medicine practices, you could be considered a, a, a drug carrier. Yeah. And so it, to this day, we're still navigating what it means to be free spiritually. There is not one place on the world that's free spiritually. Not one. Definitely not in the United States. We are living in a system of oppression, and we are being sold the lie of freedom. If you want to know what true freedom is, try to build anything on property that you own. Good luck with that in the United States. Try to build anything on the property that you own. You do not live in a free place. It is a lie that has been sold to us. Even at the initiation of the American Revolution, it was made very clear that the people who were establishing freedom 
were white men between the ages of 25 and 65. They were not including women. They were not including people of color. They were definitely not including the black community. So even the establishment of the American great revolution, the American dream is a bunch of bullshit. And we have to rewrite the whole thing. If we really wanna be honest, we really wanna go there. Most people don't really wanna go there because their mm -hmm. credit card is too precious to them. Right. Let's be real. Let's yeah. be real. Amazon is really fucking convenient yeah. and to dismantle an entire system that could threaten all of the amazing things that we've created so far. Most people are not willing to give up their distractions in order to pursue true freedom. Most people aren't. And I understand. That's just where it's at. We may have to lose a lot of shit before people start asking, okay, um, maybe there's another way. Maybe there's another way. But until we start to realize that, A, the Vatican has signed off on the majority of genocides on the planet, number one. Number two, sex slavery is still the largest economic enterprise on our planet, and mm -hmm. it's backed by the Vatican Church, and it's backed by the U.S. government, it's backed by the Australian government, it's backed by the United Nations. And number three, petroleum is still our largest extracted natural resource and the place where we extract it from. We are killing and genociding those people on the dailies. We're not giving proper due to Mother Earth. And we're actually killing our atmosphere by continually extracting her blood and burning it. Those three things, until we're willing to talk about them, we can't even address racism because racism is a tool of control. Right. Racism is how they keep us separate. Racism is not the issue. Economics and control is the issue. Racism is a way that they control our money and keep us away from actually asking the bigger questions. Racism is a distraction from the real issue. However, we need to address racism within our world socially because it's within you and I because it's been intentionally implanted to be there. Right. So it's an interesting place of where do we go from here? I don't know. Right now, the black community has the talking stick. So I'm just showing up to events and listening to them speak and pumping my arms and also reminding people when we're ready to talk about the actual root of racism, which is called strata, which is called hierarchy, which the Vatican church perfected. Let me know. Until then, I'm going to be on Taverly's podcast and we'll chat about it. Mm -hmm. And I support Black Lives Matter. I support our black brothers and sisters and others standing up and getting their voices heard because they have been the community that has built the American economy and they have been the community who's received the least amount of not just thank yous, but any sort of economic or social support to get them from the place of enslavement into a place of community participation. There has been little to no support for the black community since the 1860s up until current day reality. That's just what it is. We have completely abandoned the black community in the development of the American dream. So that's why I feel like, you know what? I don't know what the solution is. I know it's gonna be oriented around Black Lives Matter, and I know it gets to emerge from the populace rather than, oh, here's the idea, let me create a movement. It, yeah. I believe it's an emergent theory right. that's gonna come forward. But I don't know what it is because it gets to be based off of nature. We gotta make something that's regenerative and based off of nature. And we gotta make something that deals with the fact that we have a list of reparations to go through for the black community, for the native community, for the women, for the, the, the bodies that are other than abled, for those who identify outside of heteronormativity. We've got a long list of people that we need to include in this conversation before we can even talk about unity and equality. Um, but right now I'm feeling the pulses with the black community and to continue this conversation of like, if we want to get into what has created what we call kind of normal society, we have to look at the development of agricultural society. So like mm, 6,000 before common era or 6,000 BC and specifically that Anno Domini 300 AD CE up until like 600 CE, that formation of the European king-queen system is very important because it was signed, sealed, and delivered by a religion that inherently created systems of oppression based on skin color. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm hearing you. This is such good information. I like that you have just, you've just brought it back down to the level of knowledge. I mean, I, I feel like that also what we could do right now is just absorb this knowledge, like learn, yeah. know, like start acknowledging what you don't know. And, mm-hmm. you know, I shared with you before we started to record that I, I'm definitely on a journey of knowledge and I am no way, shape and form going to not utilize the fact that I have a platform to share messages from uh, people of color right now. Like you and I are having this conversation. We're both white presenting women, but I have lots of women that are coming on to talk about it. And I want to lend that because their voices do need to be heard right now, Mm -hmm. but I need to learn. There's so much that I don't know. There's parts of what you said to me that, that you just shared that I didn't know. And then there's parts of it that I did, and it's sinking into me this um, mm. this question that in my spiritual community and the sisters that I practice with, primarily sisters, less brothers, although, yeah, it, um, I don't know why my brain just went down that loop all just for a minute. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Um, just noticing. Just, just noticing. noticing. Is yeah. So many people have asked who's pulling the strings. Who is still pulling the strings of power in the in the world right now? And you just answered that question. And that's very interesting to me because um, I like to think of those in power and those that are still running the Vatican and those that still held all this economic power. They must just be looking at what's happening and not being like, not, not even being phased, like not even feeling phased mm-hmm. because what we're doing right now is important work because we're creating a movement. We're creating this knowledge, but we haven't gotten to the point where we started start addressing our issues to those that need to hear us. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense when I say it that way? A hundred percent, a hundred percent, right? I think we're all still grappling, like, especially, I mean, every community gets to have their own conversations and, and the mix over, over conversation, right? So I identify as queer. So I'm a part of the LGBTQ community. So I have uh, an in with that group. Um, and so I have conversations within that group. And then I also have conversations because I'm a white presenting woman with other white presenting women. I have conversations with that, that group. I think right now what we're seeing is, you know, the BIPOC community, black and indigenous people of color, um, black communities having conversation. And then they're Venn diagramming. Like, what are the conversations that we can have with each other? Because it's important to understand within each of our identities, which places we've been told that we're superior or inferior to others. And to start to deconstruct within our own identities, what parts I've been told that I'm somehow inferior or superior to others. And, And that place of of dismantling the systems of oppression internally is where we can really start to come together as a community. I really like this question too, that you and your sisters are bringing together of like, and now what, like, how do Mm -hmm. we, how do we birth? Like Mm -hmm. what's this next piece and who's in charge, right? Mm -hmm. Like, is it the Illuminati? Is it the Rockefellers? Mm -hmm. Is it the Vatican? Is it all of those things? And the answer is all of them and none of them. Like at the end of the things, there's no reptile that's like controlling the whole thing. In my humble opinion, there's no devil. Right. Like there's no ultimate Satan right. who's agree. like here right. to maniacally take over the planet. Yeah. I believe that that QAnon um, uh, narrative, it goes right back into the Christian narrative. Anytime I start to see like good and evil narratives, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, no, 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 no. It's not that simple. It's yeah. really not that simple because someone who's ruling the planet that I've gotten to be in contact with, who is a prince of Dubai and his daughters have, you know, each one gets a billion dollars when they turn 16 He's dealing with the fact that his youngest is snorting cocaine and cannot navigate life by herself. So it's like even within those that we think have it all, 
They're dealing with very, very human aspects and they're trying to control based on what it is that they know how to control because mm-hmm. eight generations ago, his great grandparents lost to Yemen and they swore that their children would never lose again. So they bought up all of Dubai and now they're leasing it out to everybody and they're one of the richest people in the world and they control a whole bunch of shit. But it was based on a contract that their ancestors were hurt by these people. And so now they're going to control this thing and make sure it never happens to them again. What this is about is a fear of trusting the universe and those who are trying to control based on who their ancestors have lost, according to whom, whoever goes back and back and back and back and back and back and back, 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 right? And when you ask the people, like the 1% of the planet, they don't fucking know who's in control either. And then we start looking at our planet, this, this celestial being, right? We, we are literally floating in outer space. Excuse me, we're not floating. We're being flung through outer space at millions of miles an hour, mm-hmm. following a giant flaming ball of magma <laughs> that at any moment could spontaneously combust. The scientists have always already told us, any moment, this flaming ball can spontaneously combust right. that gives us all of life, right. and we could be done like that. We're not standing still. Our orbit doesn't stand still. Our our sun is traveling through to the darkness, into the infinite cosmos. We don't know where we're going. We don't know where we're going. There's no God in charge of this. There's no one in control. And that scary fact is what makes religion so fucking powerful because they give you a space where they say, hey, I know who's in control. And if you pray to me and pay me, I'll let you know who that is. And guess what? Nobody fucking knows. When we pull back the curtain, nobody's controlling Oz. And that's even more frightening than putting a reptile or Trump or someone else there. We want someone to be the evil one. We want to hang them and be done with the evil. And it's not that simple. Mm. It's not that simple. There is no one to hang. Yes, there are people who get to um, taste justice, but there is no one person. There's no one at the top. There's no Bill Gates that we can blame or think is going to save us, right? Because I've heard both sides of the story with Mr. Bill Gates. Yeah, me too. That he's either the savior of the world uh-huh. or he's the antichrist <laughs> right. in reptilian form. I don't know what the fuck. Right. Here's the thing is I think Bill Gates is doing the best he fucking knows how based on his diet Coca-Cola internal system, right? Like someone who's still drinking Diet Coke is not going to tell me how to live my health, but I honor the fact that he's doing the best that he can with his money. I think he's doing the best that he can. I actually think everyone is doing the best that they can. Even the fucking Russian mafia who are still selling children right now. Those are troubled men and women who were raped as young children, who are just doing the very thing that they've been taught by their families is the thing that they're supposed to do. Does that mean that they're not going to taste justice? No, I hope they taste justice in this lifetime. But we've got to start realizing that there are no enemies. These are people who are signing contracts thinking that they're going to make it better for themselves and their families, who do not have a concept of the highest good of all of humanity, who have not reached the consciousness where they can see that all beings are one being. These are low-level consciousnesses still only thinking about self, and if they're lucky, maybe their familiar unit, maybe their identity unit. But to actually be in a consciousness of all beings are one being, and I want to have the amplified consciousness of for the highest good of all, including all sentient beings, all pieces of earth, that level of consciousness requires a dismantling of internal systems of oppression that most people are not ready for, Mm -hmm. are not ready to look at because it's not about pointing out the racists out there. It's not about pointing to the patriarchy out there. It's not about pointing to the evil capitalists or the evil whatever out there. It's right here. 
Right. The colonizer, the controller, the general, the genocider. Right here, and I'm pointing at myself as I'm saying this, because anti-racism work, anti-systems of oppression work always begins with how I treat myself. How I speak to myself, how I speak to my own inner children, how I regard my own inner darkness is how I'm going to regard people of darker skin tone. Mm. Because that is the strata that the socioeconomic creation of the Christian Catholic Church Mm. based the strata on skin tone and said the light is better than the dark. As soon as that comes into the field for anyone at any time, question that shit. Because the light is not better than the dark. (laughs) Light and sound is all there is. Darkness and light, that meeting point, is the edge of creation. Without that, we do not exist. Light and dark is an inherent symbiotic relationship that we get to have within ourselves. Once I welcome in and deny no part of myself, that's how I find inner peace. The once we deny no part of ourself externally, that's how we find world peace. And it's not going to happen with a binary system that says these people are good, these people are bad, these behaviors are good, these behaviors are bad. That's not how it works. It comes from an internal emergent sense and relationship with life. Ethics is an emergent relationship with life. Ethics is not a set of rules. It's not a set of laws. Ethics is an emergent relationship with life that wants to live. And when it is truly lived, the the heartbeat is for the highest good of all. Mm. Always. Always. And the concept that ethics are something that we can impose is a religious concept. It is not an indigenous concept. All indigenous cultures believed in emergent ethics from within, from our wisdom council, will come our set of rules and principles and agreements that we abide by. External law over is a very new concept. That's why we look at agricultural societies. When we started doing more agriculture is when laws came into place because we had to own land. 600 before Common Era, BCE, is a good time to look. Hammurabi's Code, let's look at the first original laws, the imposing laws from outside in, from one who knows more down to you. Those types of laws do not evoke ethics. They make people need to remember rules versus indigenous law, which is evoking the emergent life force of what is the highest good of all for our community. This is what we need to return to. This is what we need to remember. The emergent ethics of the highest good of all. Right now, our impositional laws are infringing on the emergent ethics of the highest good of all. That's why we need to take down the system, whatever that means for you internal and external. Once the laws start to contradict the emergent ethics of being in harmony with life, it means the system is no longer serving the human body. The American legal system, state system, has not been serving the American body of people since the beginning, 1776, in my humble opinion, but it's specifically not serving us now. And we're seeing the metaphor of that through Black Lives Matter. They're just willing to speak up. They're just willing to be the ones who say it first because their people are being murdered in broad daylight because of the system of oppression. However, if we all take a beat and really check inside of ourselves, we're all being oppressed. All of us. Just try to build something on your own property that you own without getting a permit. Oppression. Get it. So there's a... a, um, there's many pieces here. And I think I'll end, I'll end this, this soliloquy on, on the point of the most important piece for me and us, I believe, totally my opinion, to be working on 
is a two, twofold. It's there and they're simultaneous, not one and two. It's like one, <laughs> it's just one, <laughs> yeah. but it's two pieces of the one. One is the internal systems of oppression where inside of me is the misogynist, the racist, the controller, the general who's trying to tell me how I should be. And what in me believes that I'm superior or inferior to anyone else based on my gender, my sex, how I present in the world. Am I superior or inferior to anyone else? Do I believe that? Do I behave in that way? So it's dismantling internal systems of oppression and activating, simultaneously activating the codes of liberation. Mm. Because if I'm just dismantling, I end up in a puddly poo on my floor, which I have been a couple times this week. Just puddly poo. We got to go there. This Mm -hmm. stuff is hip, heavy. Go to the puddly poo. But the codes of liberation, like what is possible, is the next piece. And I spoke about it a little bit. Emergent ethics, emergent feels, emergent values from being in connection with the pulse of life, being in a relationship with life and spirit. So that's that's kind of one side of the double emergent mm-hmm. step one. The other side is to support our black community right now because they have taken the talking mm-hmm. stick as the group that is being the metaphor to address systems of oppression, but they are addressing the system for all of us. If we think this is only about black people, we fucking miss the point. Right. They are leading the re-evolution. I'm not calling it a revolution. It's a re-evolution. It's an emerging of what we get to evolve into next. And that system can look like non-authoritarian. I don't need to tell you what to do. I can elicit from within you what is right for you because you have a relationship with life. And this is going to take some time because right now people are not guided to have a personal relationship with life. People are guided to listen to authority, to listen to their kindergarten teacher, to listen to their doctor, to listen to the oil salesman, to listen to the president, to listen to all of these external forces, but not taught how to listen to the God within. And until we activate each individual listening to life within, we cannot have a system that's truly free. And if people are still relying on a single leader to tell them what to do, people do not deserve to be free. This takes earning. It takes the right to earn your birthright. Our birthright is to be completely free, but we have to earn it by saying, I have done the internal work to dismantle systems of oppression within myself. So I don't need an authority giving me permission for what it is that is to express myself or what it means to build my own home or what it means. But we're not there yet. We're not there as a society yet, but I think we can get there. And I think we can get there in this lifetime. It's going to take a lot of circles though. Mm -hmm. So everybody needs to start a circle. P.S. If you're listening to this and you're not holding a circle about speaking about spiritual, socioeconomic, social, um, interconnective, relational, environmental, educational, medical, uh, all the systems, if you don't have a circle yet in your life, you get to be the leader of it. You get to be the initiator of it. We need to be in circle. We need to be having these conversations. Mm -hmm. Gather your women, gather your men, gather your non-binary individuals and talk and listen. Go to places, meet with people that you wouldn't normally meet with. The most important thing that we could be doing right now is gathering. The most important thing that we could be doing right now is gathering. The most important thing that we could be doing right now is gathering and speaking and listening about dismantling systems of oppression and activating codes of liberation within us simultaneously. One without the other is complete distraction. Just codes of liberation without dismantling systems of oppression is spiritual bypassing. Just dismantling system of oppression without codes of liberation is deep depression. So them married within these circles gets to be what I see as kind of like what we can do as our communities. A circle is two or more people gathered. 
P.S., right? It doesn't have to be you gather everybody. Two or more people in your community having the conversations about dismantling systems of oppression and activating codes of liberation for the highest good of all beings. Not just me, not just you, but all beings, animals included, trees included, oil wells included. How do we activate those codes of liberation? So that's more of a question than an answer. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. I like the action that you've provided. I love the providing the roots of racism. That's what you just Mm -hmm. did. And it's, Mm -hmm. you presented it in a way that, you know, it just, it it sits so real, um, so humanly real for me. And I know for a lot of listeners. So thank you so much. And starting a circle. That's, that's, that's it. Like that is, that's, that's beautiful. And I also like that you encourage people to do it with somebody that you don't know or with someone that you haven't interacted with or a culture that you're not familiar with because that learning piece, that knowledge is so powerful. Well, my friend, I, I have nothing else to say to you other than you are amazing. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you for spending your lifetime learning this so you can then teach us in this place and time. Because if you would not have experienced what you've experienced in your time, if you would not have developed your knowledge in this lifetime and previous lifetimes, if you would not have done that work, you wouldn't be here sharing it in the way that you are. So thank you for, you know, thank you for going through all of the things, the ups and downs and sideways turns that led you here today because we signed on to be here in this time and do our work. And, um, and yes, I am, I'm a puddle on the floor sometimes too, but I'm, I'm, and I am booking time to go up into the mountains and be by myself and be in that puddle space so I can be more productive in this space. Um, and I also, I also am aware that this work is going to require us to look at what are we willing to give up to make this change. And, um, and I know that that sits painful for a lot of people and that's okay, you know? Brianna and myself, we're here to talk to you. If you if you guys are struggling with how you can possibly envision what heaven looks like to you to live here with all people having equality, if you cannot envision that, talk to somebody who can help you because it is a vision yes. that we can hold. Yes, it is. Well, Fully. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm like hugging you from yeah. here. <laughs> Totally. <laughs> Sending you love, love, love. And I'm going to put mm. the link to the Earth Temple and a link to how to join at the prayer group on Sunday and how people can find you on social media because I've got all your links and you also have a podcast, um, which this might air on, also might be on, what is the name of your podcast? Real Life Magic. So this might be a Grit and Grace and Real Life Magic. You know, it might be in both mm-hmm. places. And I will, you know that I will be in touch and we will, we will speak again very soon, my friend. Yes, please. Thank you. Thank you. And if you are ready to level up your company's innovation, communication, and productivity, don't forget to visit julieholonga.com to find out how she can help you and your team grow more effectively. We hope you enjoyed the show. Hi, my name is Les Conley, and as producer of this show, I enjoy listening right along with you. Don't forget to download the Himalaya app and follow Grit and Grace so that we can keep you up to date on all the exciting shows coming your way. Please check the show notes for links to our guests and feel free to contact us for more information. Taver Lee is a social impact entrepreneur, and she can be found at taverlee.com. 
That's T-A-H-V-E-R-L-E-E.com. We know your time is extremely valuable, and we appreciate you spending it with us. Thank you.